Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle-aged warriors, Chris Cimino and Rick Summers. Hey, thanks for tuning us in and turning us on. Are you turned on, Chris? I don't know. It depends on who's tuning us in. And I could be more turned on depending on who the tuning. We're middle-aged warriors. He's Chris Cimino. I'm Rick Summers. Thank you for finding us here on the Believe Podcast Network. And we're here to talk about stuff. Stuff. More stuff. For lack of a better way to, to put it. Yeah, uh, we have we have a very nice guest coming up in a few minutes, but uh, we want to touch base with what's been going on. We've been a little out of touch for about a week or so, so we want to catch up yeah. on some of the the headlines and things that have happened. One of them here, uh, which is you know it's it's a it's a local, but it's not all that local event because it did become a national issue. Uh, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, yeah. is, is stepping down, and that was kind of a that's a that's a big deal. Uh, did you happen to see his speech last week? No, I've kind of missed most of this <laughs> on purpose, but uh, please do tell. I will tell you this. It was brilliant. And he knew, I mean, whoever wrote it knew exactly what they were doing and mm -hmm. set him up so that he could, as graceful as possible, duck out of uh, the state capitol. And now, of course, the assembly has said that, well, once he's removed, he can't be impeached, uh, impeached yeah. which is certainly what his intention was. But well, yeah. I don't know. Well, the one line that uh, actually my girlfriend Edmi said to me, did you hear this? You should be, I don't know if it was in that speech or not, but said she thought I would be offended by it. <laughs> I just kind of laughed it off. But he said, oh, look, I'm Italian. You know, we, we're, uh, that's, that's <laughs> what we are. That's what people Italians do. It's like, maybe yeah. a little, you know, a hug or a hand on a shoulder, but I don't know. I don't see you grabbing anybody's breast. Yeah, keep your hands off my fresh mozzarella is all I say. That's all I want. <laughs> there that's, you go. That's when you get, you know, it's obscene. But uh, enough of that. I don't really want to dabble too much into politics. So. All right, so Cuomo uh, sent the temperature skyrocketing. But more than that, uh, mm -hmm. seriously, we were talking about the statistics that came out for July being the hottest July on record. Is that right, Chris? For the planet, yes, overall. And, you know, and this is one of those things where, again, climate and weather, people confuse them a little while they're certainly tied together. But climate is an overall collection of weather trend over a larger area over a large period of time. So, you know, if you're in New York City and you were told, oh, this was the hottest July on record, well, it wasn't. In fact, the July temperatures in New York City were actually below normal. And that's really, yeah. And that, but that points to when, when you say the globe or the United States had its hottest summer, well, there are probably going to be some exceptions to that rule. But the larger area had above normal temperatures. And on whole, the, the planet did, and by a larger degree than ever before. But there will be pockets. You know what? I like to say it's all about me, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. That's the nope. problem. It's all about yeah. us. But it, and then it becomes this very isolated thing. And somebody says, well, see, that's why this is this is BS, because it was below normal in New York City in July. And they're telling me it's the hottest. Well, it was the hottest on the planet. Believe me, there are a lot of other parts of the world that were really sweltering and, and sweating it out. And, and the other you know, aspect of the weather itself and the climate change, the, the fire, wildfires going on out west, that Dixie fire in particular in California, yeah. it's 
you see the video, Rick, and it's it almost looks like another planet. What's happened? Really yeah, weird. no, you you made the um, the analogy before. It's like a meteor hit Earth, mm. and then it it's caught fire. fire, and this is kind of what's left. And I can't even imagine what it'd be like to be one of those people who lived in that area and had to run with nothing but the clothes on their back, maybe getting a pet, maybe getting a child, yeah. and getting to safety. I yeah. can't even imagine. Yeah, fire is 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 so devastating, and it, obviously, you know, it's an incinerating process. So there's, it's so hard to salvage anything. It's not even like sometimes earthquakes. There's minor damage. Eventually, you get to go in. Flooding usually just the lower floors, but fire is it's just it just totally incinerates everything in the memory and as you mentioned earthquake we had another one in haiti this week yeah which was a monster yeah yeah the, i mean the infrastructure there's so weak and and now they're bracing tell me if i'm wrong for a tropical storm yeah not particularly strong uh but the season is also picking up if we will talk a little more weather but yeah you know there's grace there was fred Neither one particularly strong. There's another one out in the Atlantic, and there's probably going to be more to come. Actually, the dust was suppressing it, believe it or not. The Saharan dust was suppressing it, but that's dissipating. So the seasonal probably... Hey, by the way, speaking of talking weather, it was great having Craig Allen on with us. I really enjoyed having Craig and his 40 years of on-air experience with us. It was great. I mean, he was there at the very beginning of my career. Uh, yeah. And this is a guy, you know, through middle age, he keeps plugging along. He is working his everything off still. Yes, he is. In the weather industry. And I'm glad he took a little time out to share some of his life, his past, how he got where he got to all, over all these years. Because to be on one radio station, number one, one anything, let's be honest, yeah. to do anything for 40 years, marriages, poo forget that. But I mean, yeah. a job in one place, it, it really, in, in the communication and media industry, it's almost unheard of now. So uh, again, hats off to him for that. So I don't know if you heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that's what's helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. I always need energy to level up. And I really couldn't agree more with Lamar. And after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. Cool thing is, we've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to their website, balance7thenumber7.com, and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, you'll receive a free 4-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say it's worth it. Again, head to balance7thenumber7.com and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout to get in on the promotion. I know I'm going to give it a try. If it worked for him, it can work for you, too. Who you got for us today? Because I know uh, we have a special guest waiting in the wings. That we do. All right, let's get to our guest today, an Emmy Award-winning executive producer. 25 years uh, of experience working for NBC. I've heard of them. Uh, CBS, ABC, King World, Tribune, and uh, Telepictures and Cable Vision as well. So uh, he's got quite the resume. He is also a middle-aged warrior. He owns his own company. It's David Harris Katz. David, welcome to Middle Age Warriors. Hello. Hello. How are you? How you guys doing? Impressive resume you have there. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds awfully. It, 
I can't believe it's mine. I, I don't know. It seems weird. Which is which is quite fitting to the name of the show that you're best known for in producing, and it's called Wow, I never knew that. So apparently you didn't even know that about yourself. Wow, exactly. I never knew that. Tell tell the folks uh, listening in what that what that's all about and how long it's actually been out there. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, first of all, it's great to be here. I appreciate it. So God bless that's you. Here. Um, thank you. And yeah, Wow, I Never Knew That is a television series that I produced shockingly 10 years ago. Wow. And there's a, a whole host of stories along with that. But it, it, air, it started airing 10 years ago, and it's literally been airing ever since uh, for the past 10 years on stations, platforms, networks, uh, all over the world ever since. And, and the show deals with like those kinds of things, like the questions that we ask. Uh, there was one I saw in one of the titles talking about how did the term riding shotgun, where did that come from exactly? What is, you know, right. it's those types. Right, exactly. No, yeah, the, it, show, the, the show basically, and this is, I guess it's kind of interesting because again, trying to, even as a middle-aged warrior or someone that's trying to invent themselves or do something with, no resources at all. Mm. Um, the entire concept for that show came out of my ability because um, I was I, I worked at WNBC doing promotion, so I was very good at you know writing short promos. And basically, the show really came out of these short, quick facts, mm. only because it was easy to do, um, and I could I could write a thirty second promo. <laughs> And just get the message, you know, out there, and then sort of move on to the next thing. So right. I, I sort of like came out of that. Uh, what, do, what do they say? Necessity is the mother invention. Um, there you go. <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah. David, let me ask you this: uh, since it's the first time I'm meeting you, nice to meet you, and nice thank you again you. for joining us. And uh, I'm sure I've got a bunch of questions for you on things that I never knew. I always love like when people say, and I don't know that you tried this on one of your shows. Uh, if I'm flying at 33,000 feet and I try to open the airplane door, will it open? <laughs> I don't think that's one of those things no. that you did on your show. But right. uh, I wanted to ask you, how's middle life, uh, middle age treating you? Actually very good. It, it's funny because in my mind, I really believe, I, for some reason I feel like I'm 22, you know? Yeah. It, it really, it. It's weird because the only real reference that I have to being middle-aged is when I when I make reference to some of the folks that I hire and I ask them, you know, hey, have you seen this or do you know about this? And they have no idea what I'm talking about. They weren't born yet. And I'm like, how do you not know? <laughs> like, it could be the simplest of things, things that are just so elementary that that you would think that any everybody if they're you know 20 years old they you know again they don't even know what a telephone is you know like so it's really crazy so that's the only thing that really affects me other than that you know i still am really just as active as i was at 20 uh still as passionate as i am doing the things that i do today and i think i put on a bunch of pounds because of the pandemic <laughs> So I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose some of that weight to get back into, you know, fighting shape. But other than that, it's actually what's interesting is, and this is really, again, good advice for anyone that's either younger or older. You know, I almost feel bad for the people that are 20 or 30 or even wait till they're 50 to really do what they're passionate about. Mm -hmm. Because the reality of it is 
we're all going to be dead soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact is, you know, you if you're working for someone and you're doing stuff that you're miserable doing, it's like it's unbelievable because when you do something that you're passionate about, it's like every day you wake up excited. Every you know, putting in a 17-hour day mm-hmm. doesn't really bother me because the end result benefits me, not mm-hmm. my boss. And you know. Um, I get great satisfaction in, in doing those things. So, so at this age, I'm very excited and, you know, we have some exciting projects going on and I, I got some really good news, which I actually can't share at the moment because, uh, what? Some stuff. Well, <laughs> what yeah, we got, we got, yeah, we got some really good news and it's amazing, you know, and, and yeah. to think that I, that it happened in, you know, in my fifties is uh pretty incredible well i i think you know and you kind of spoke on that point in terms of dealing with middle age and having life experience you know and and staying relevant i think when we're younger maybe we're trying to impress others first and lose sight of what we are really passionate about because we've got this preconceived notion i think living life you start to learn hey what am i doing who am i doing this for and, you know, you have now evolved to a position where you are the production team, you are the company, you are, you know, you don't have a boss or a large corporation to answer to. And I think that's probably what for you is most freeing. In terms of somebody in their 20s and 30s, how do you really tell them to, to, to jump on that now, especially if they're trying to support a family or something like that? I think that's where it gets complicated in the early age. Right. No, it's a good question. It's funny because when I managed certain people, um, you know, uh, they never, they really never got the, um, appreciation or acknowledgement that they really deserved. Mm -hmm. And I literally said to people that I managed, you know, leave, leave this company. Nobody appreciates what you do, do what you're passionate about because, because one year turns into five years and five <laughs> years turns into 10 years and 10 years turns into twice. And you guys could probably say the same thing. Like it's, it's weird how time just flies and you could be in a position like you could be working, you know, stocking shelves, let's say, and you know, it's paying the bills and it's great. The problem with that is 10 years down the line, you literally have made no improvement in your in your ability to earn more money or the ability to enjoy your life more so it's okay to do those things that are that that pay the bills but but even actually and, my, and I'm another example of it I mean I actually I was laid off from Cablevision right after September 11th and I went to work for a company um, literally just to pay those bills however, I would finish that job at midnight, the, you know, get home at one in the morning. I would take a shower and I would say, I'm going to work from two in the morning till five in the morning to write scripts for this show, which wound up being, wow, I never knew that. And that's the way I did it. So I would put in a full day of work and, and I always say to people and I, those, anyone that, anyone that wants to listen, I say this 24 hours in the day, so you shouldn't, you know, kill yourself. But when people say, I don't have time, you know, there's never any time. The bottom line is 24 hours in a day. So I don't want to hear that (laughs) period. So I literally do. There are times when I was working on um, the new show 
And I'd say to my girlfriend, I'm like, okay, I just worked. You know, I woke up at nine. It's nine o'clock now. I'm going to take a shower. I'll eat dinner. I said, you go to sleep. I'm going to work on this until six in the morning because I have to get it done. Right. And the reason is that if I don't get that part of the project done, I can't turn it over maybe to somebody else to do whatever part or I can't sure. submit it, you know, right. whatever it is. I was very diligent in following those guidelines. And I think that anyone young, they need to make a roadmap mm. and say, where do I want to be in, in one year and then break it down from there? Mm -hmm. You know, do I want to, whatever they want to do, come sure. up with a plan and literally make a plan to get to that point. Yeah. I always loved the, uh, I guess it's a cliche of sorts, but it's a, a saying that said, youth is wasted on the young. Mm, and yeah, one of the yeah. things I love, and Chris and I have talked about this off air, on air, and everywhere in between. And David, I'd be interested to hear your thought. Is one of the great, great things about becoming middle-aged, getting a little bit older, getting through your 50s, is you just kind of stop giving a shit what everybody else thinks. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think that that's... There's something incredibly liberating about that. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It, it's very, you know, my whole life I wound up and I'm and going back even when I was an intern in college, you know, I was I got a lot of uh, somebody said to me, it was funny. So I remember when I worked for WSBK in Boston, this, the, the uh, studio manager said to me, quote, David, your attention to detail will get you far in your life. And, you know, I thought that was really nice. I mean, I was mm -hmm. just an intern, you know, and I went ahead and worked for all these different places and did stuff. But my attention to detail really didn't get me, you know, nobody walked up to me and said, wow, David, your attention to detail is great. Let me give you a raise. You're a detail man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, never, you yeah. <laughs> yeah, it never happened. Yeah. And so so all these years went by and I just got to the point where it's almost like, you know what, I'm tired of, and, and not only that, but going to people and, and asking them for their opinion. And especially when you're young, you know, like you don't even know, cause you don't even, you don't even know what you don't know. So it's understandable right. for someone younger to want to ask for this or that. But really, if you look at any successful person, whether it be Colonel Sanders, Henry Ford, uh, you know, I, I love the History Channel show. You know, they have all these shows on the history of the of the of the bike and that. And it was funny, actually. Ironically, there's a, a book came out. It's the history of inventions, mm -hmm. and the guy Bruce Nash is the one that came up with modern marvels. And in the book, they mention you know special thanks to Bruce Nash and modern marvels. But before his title, above him said, special thanks to David Harris Katz Entertainment for what I, So apparently they, they just obviously saw my show and, and like oh, wow. quoted me or put, put stuff in the book, you know, which I thought was, which basically my favorite show on TV was Modern Marvels and for them to put me in the book, which I didn't even know about. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. But so the issue is it just I just feel that there were so many times where I would be asking for people's opinions and, and nobody... Nobody ever said Coca-Cola was a good idea. Nobody said Colonel Sanders was a Pete, you know, was a good idea. No one said the the Harley Davidson was a good idea. They just finally said, I don't care what anybody says. I'm just gonna do this mm -hmm. because I believe that it's a good idea. 
Right. And luckily in, in everything I've done, I could give you a, a, a list of the people that, you know, thought otherwise. Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, the bottom line with any of those success stories, they didn't happen with one knock on the door, one phone call or, you know, one presentation. Mm -hmm. It's it's really the ability to have the skin and, you know, the intestinal fortitude to continue because you're going to get a lot of rejection early on. Just about every success story has a pile of rejection behind it. But you've worked in news, music videos, TV shows, talk shows. Do you have a particular favorite area that you worked in or are working in now? Like what, what part of the production side do you seem to or feel the most enjoyment from? Um, well, it was funny because when I did Wow, I Never Knew That, again, the ability to get that show done was I had to look for the, the fastest, easiest, quickest, least expensive way to get a show done. Mm. And I was like, and then I did it and I was like, wow, well, this, that formula worked. And I said, well, I know I can do that. So let me, you know, what's going to be my next project. And the second project came in, which is called date while you wait. Mm -hmm. And basically I just said, I said, well, I, I, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Let me just do it the way that I know I can do. So we did it. And again, to the T. I mean, everything that was planned out, I did everything the way that I said I was going to do it and changed virtually nothing. And it literally came out exactly as I wanted to. And one of the things that, you know, uh, so now I'm sort of like onto something. I'm like, okay, now I, I did two seasons of two very successful shows. So what will be my third thing, my third show? Well, the problem is, Unfortunately, I'm no Spielberg, uh, and I'm no I'm no Judd Apatow, who I went to high school with. Really? Um, so yeah, we used to ride motorcycles uh, in high school, and and really? I remembered I remember I remember Judd Apatow in seventh grade, literally in the cafeteria, doing an impression of Woody Allen. <laughs> like in seventh grade, he's doing impressions of Woody Allen in the cafeteria. So he had this thing that he wanted to do literally in seventh grade yeah and so so unfortunately when i call you know nobody picks up the phone per se <laughs> so i'm not so it's like well how could i do a second season well i i basically said okay family friendly entertainment that's quick paced looks good that's sort of a good niche that i can grab onto because i could pull that off to try to get a, you know millions of dollars to produce a series, which many of them are, you know, uh, if I if I had a couple of million to do it, I, I, you know, God knows what I could do. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so I basically just sort of focused this my 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 stuff in in like, what can we do that's going to be awesome? That's going to have the biggest market, you know, demographic that's going to see it, which which. The, the the widest is you know children to adults so everything is fits that category that's what i'm sort of grabbing grabbing onto and and my second or my third show will be will be just that so tell the folks real quick a little bit more about date while you wait what the formula of the show is what the show is about and also where where can we find it right okay so date while you wait for those that don't know um basically came out of a guy that 
in New York City. He basically put a table and chairs in the New York City subway system and just asked, you know, harried commuters to, to play a game, just have a conversation and play a game. For whatever reason, he put up a sign that said, date while you wait. So obviously many people think that date while you wait is a dating show. So he did this and he did it for five years. And shockingly, like every major media organization in the world wound up doing a story with him. So if you Google date while you wait, you have the New York Times, the Huffington Post, China Global, um, you know, just tons. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. So I remember actually seeing, you know, hearing about this guy. And I remember, I literally remember saying to myself, you know, damn, I'm like, wow, I never knew that. Never got that, that amount of press. And this guy is just sitting in the subway. So ironically, through a series of things, we, he wound up contacting me, asking me about the show. And he literally got on the phone and he said he had met with producers and he was wined and dined and he did all these crazy things. The end result was that he still didn't have a TV show. And he said, I want to do a show. Everybody says I should make it a dating show. And I basically said, I'll tell you right now, if I do anything with you, I am not changing a thing. We're going to do exactly what you set out to do. That's what makes it special. And he was kind of like really shocked because he was like, everybody wants to change it to an actual dating show. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with what you did. So the end result was, I said, if you want me on board, I will literally produce a, a show for you. I said, we're going to keep it exactly the way what you started out to do. I said, I will enhance it and sort of make it a little bit more, you know, um, palatable for, for the masses. Uh, but that's what we did. And now, basically, from, from the time I met with him to the time at Making Air, uh, we finished the whole thing. It airs all over the world. And we would just, you know, we were nominated for two Emmys and we have 13 other awards. Six of them are platinum. The rest are gold. And we're closing deals every every day. So if you go to our website, datewhileyouwait.tv and under the where to watch tab, we keep on updating it uh, where available. And like I said earlier, we just we, we have a, we have really exciting news to announce, but we can't announce it yet. Congrats. I have a great sequel for you if you'd like. It's called Mate While You Wait. Well, that's sure. uh, that, that's not family though. That's <laughs> Sorry, that David. Sorry. What I did want to ask you is, you know, as you look back on your life now that we're in middle age and we're all kind of turning over some of the stones, where did the imprint to succeed and to press on and to drive forward, even when you were tired, even after you'd work a long day? Where did that come from? Was that your parents or did that come from somebody uh, totally outside your family? Right. And I, and I won't, I'll, uh, I don't want to get upset, but yeah, it basically was from my parents. And unfortunately my dad passed away just a few months ago oh, and so I'm actually, yeah, thank you. And I'm, I'm actually upset that he, he won't, one of these newest things he won't, he won't learn about, but, uh, but yeah, basically it was, it was 100% my parents and literally, you know, uh, I was, you know, I wasn't, it was really funny actually, because, you know, not only was it my parents, but I, but I, I do owe it to, um, a lot of teachers and people that I grew up with, but my parents, when I grew up and, and I actually gave this back to probably thousands of people that I've managed, 
you know, I never really was concerned with someone's ability to not get it done. My only ability is what can we do to, to help you get it done? Mm-hmm. So every obstacle, there's always going to be obstacles. There's always going to be obstacles. And when, like I said, when, you know, a producer actually contacted me and asked me how I was able to pull off, wow, I never knew that. And how I was going to able, how I was going to pull off date while you wait. So I literally gave her my 11 herbs and spices. I told her exactly how I was going to get it done. Mm. And her response says, could I give you some feedback? And she went down the list and said, well, that's not going to work. And that's not going to work. And you should do this. And you should do this. And I literally said to her, I said, you know what? You're the reason why nothing gets done. I said, I'm going to do exactly what I said I was going to do. Thank you and have a nice day. And I really haven't spoken to her in a year or two. That's a surprise. Uh, so the, <laughs> no. Yeah. So the, so the issue is you you just, you know, and, and I'm a big fan of Walt Disney and I'm a big fan of, of anyone, Steve Jobs. All of those guys have a million stories. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference between success and failure it's as simple as persistence. I literally, uh, Walt Disney um, went to 301 banks to get money for uh, Walt Di- for Disney World, for Disneyland. Right. Turned down 301 times. I literally could show you notes, uh, you know, like I kept, not really a diary, but, but, but it was very specific. I literally said, I'm going to, you know, contact 301 television stations before I give up. Mm. And I also said, if it's the last thing on earth that I do, wow, I never knew that is going to air, period. Mm. I mean, I said, I said, so basically, that was my promise. I said, I will never give up until it airs. And the reality is, that's your formula right there. So unless I succeeded, stopping was not an option. Right. I I think that's a good point. It's like, it's not it's not an option in your head. I, and I'd like, you know, and again, I'm sorry about your dad as well, but I'd like to think he's, he's going to see what you're doing now and future things. And maybe he's going to pull some strings for you too, to make it work a little smoother. <laughs> yeah. Let's all hope for that. <laughs> Final wrap up on the question, because we're running a little out of time on our, our zoom time. Um, I think you've kind of answered this, but just in the entire breadth of your career, your proudest achievement. Well, it's funny every day, I wind up having a a proud achievement. And it's so funny because it's also another good question. I mean, I could go back to, you know, um, I think every achievement that you accomplish is a major achievement. Hmm. So when I was pitching, wow, I never knew that. And literally nobody would give me the time of day. As soon as somebody would like return an email, that was a proud achievement. Hmm. And then, and then, you know, I would, I would, do something more. And that was a proud achievement. Then I get one station maybe to air it. And that was, that's the turning point. One station aired this show, I'm done. Mm. But ironically, when the next station, when I close another deal, I'm like super excited about that. And now with Date While You Wait, um, literally, you know, assuming everything goes through, this, this might well be you know, my proudest achievement, because it just winds up, it just winds up being everything gets me excited. So I I take every, everything that, you know, everything is important. Yeah, literally, I think every, every, every time I close a deal, and and it's really funny, I think, 
I think, you know, I've had several agents over the years and I know other famous people and even yourself, I'm sure you have an agent, you know, I've closed more deals myself than all of my agents combined <laughs> and they're, and they're agents, you know? Yeah. So the issue is like, every time I close, I, I feel it's like every time I close a deal, you know, I ring a bell, you know, um, you know, yeah. but it's, it's, it's that it's those achievements Every little achievement is a major achievement. I think that's the important thing that everybody should know that it, it may seem unbearable, but, you know, start, you know, you got to take one step at a time. Yeah. And, and if you, you know, accomplish what you want to accomplish, you can do it. You know, you know what, David, um, I, when I was younger, I used to be a runner and uh, I can't help but think now that the signs are going up for the New York marathon uh, yeah. in the next couple of months uh, the people used to say, you know, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, it's a long race. And this is basically the umbrella f which you stand under in talking about the journey that you go through and that perseverance. And there are times you just you just say, God damn it, I want to quit. I just want to sit down and you can't do it because you've trained so long, so hard. And you know that even you're not going to win the race Crossing the finish line is your win. People used to ask me, you're not going to win. I said, no, well, I'm not. Well, why bother then? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. But crossing that finish line and having them put a medal around your neck or crossing that finish line and having, you know, a networked air your TV series, that is, that is the crowning achievement that you were talking about. Yeah, right. absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yep. David, uh, I, I want to say I also apologize. I know some of your time was, uh, there was another guest that was trying to barge into the studio known as Tula, <laughs> my dachshund. If you heard her barking in the background. It's Chris's uh, agent. It's my agent. But I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule, David. I know yeah, it is busy. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, we'll talk more about uh, some things. And, you know, actually, if I may quickly mention, I, I'm on one of the episodes of Date While You Wait. Uh, yes. Kind enough actually, to right. Let me, let, let me give a quick plug. And I'm I, actually, I'm sorry that I didn't mention it. But yes, Chris was gracious enough to actually appear in the episode. And not only, and he was, he was amazing. He, he actually, you, you know, you could tell the professionals from the non-professionals, Chris, you know, nailed it. And Chris, Chris's conversation and the sort of tagline for the, for the episode is a count or for the season is a conversation can change the world. Chris really opened up, gave some really inspirational advice. Um, and Chris literally was an, was an inspiration for the host, Thomas. So if you get a moment, uh, I believe you're in, in it, it's out of the rain is the episode. I think it's mm -hmm. eight, Chris. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's in the rain. Yes. Right. Yeah. So you can check it out. But it, but it was great. So, yeah. So thank you, uh, Chris. You, you were amazing. David, so. thank, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Good luck moving forward with everything. And I'm sure I'll yeah. see you or, and or talk to you very soon, David. Thanks. Thanks okay. so much, thank Middle-Age Warriors. Great. Thanks, guys. Okay. Great talking to you. All right. Some interesting background to, you know, being a middle-aged man in particular uh, <laughs> in, in the media and production industry because that continues to evolve. And I think David's a good example of sort of how you deal with reinventing yourself. But more importantly, I think his message really was persistence and just you don't give up. You just don't. And he's a good example. Yeah, easier said than done, though. Exactly. Right? I mean, think about, yeah, I mean, think about 
what your life has been the past couple of years. Um, and, and that's why, you know, at the end of uh, that interview, um, I brought up my experience in running the marathon where talking about persistence, you want to give up. You want to sit down. You just want to say, screw it. But you know that you may never have another chance to cross the finish line. So you keep on, keep on keeping on as uh, yeah. Eddie and Kendrick I, I think, used to say. And I think from that standpoint, you know, the training that you do and you start to think about the hours and the days that you've trained for an event like that, the same way the amount of hours and days and weeks you've put into a career and years right. sometimes that you you could try to tap into that as as the as the push across the finish line, if you will. But you're right. I mean, not everybody has the wherewithal. Other things come up in our lives, other responsibilities, things happen that we don't expect and roadblocks we don't expect. But um, you know, his is a good story in that, you know, persistence is paying off, hard work is paying off. And it's again, it's one of those options at middle age. You know, when we step away from working for somebody else to being right. independent and saying, hey, you know what? Screw it. I swallowed enough for X amount of years. Now I'm going to do it my way. I'll yeah. figure out, but I'm going to do it my way. And, you know, if you yeah. can't, God bless. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, are we, uh, we're short on time? Uh, we're going to, I think, unless you have any last thoughts, I think uh, we can say goodbye on this, this <laughs> version of Middle My Age. last thought. Give me some final thoughts. Don't forget the floss. And thanks yeah. for stopping by. We appreciate it as be, always. Rick. Be good, feel good. I'm Rick. He's Chris. Sunshine always. Middle Age Warriors. Over and out. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. Preferably five stars, no begging. Uh, we're available also on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.